I'm Evan Knappen, and welcome to Gun Lawyer. So I want to do a little Valentine's Day wrap-up here, some interesting things that happened over Valentine's Day, and uh, all affecting and regarding firearms. They're just absolutely of worth note here, and it's important for us to discuss it because it shows how these holidays can impact our gun rights. Let's take a look at what ATF did on Valentine's Day. The ATF decided that they're going to do a Valentine's Day promotion. Yeah, can you imagine that, a Valentine's Day promotion by the ATF? Well, what could that be? Well, I'll tell you what this promotion, here's exactly what it said in a tweet from ATF headquarters. So this is verified. I'm not making this up. This is not the Onion or the Babylon Bee. This is actually what ATF put out in a tweet. Ready? Valentine's Day can still be fun even if you broke up. Do you have information about a former, parentheses, or current, and parentheses, partner involved in illegal gun activity? Well, let us know, and we'll make sure it's a Valentine's Day to remember. Call 1-888-ATF-TIPS or email atftips at atf.gov. Isn't that wonderful? Look at what our agency here, the the ATF, is uh, putting out to the folks to make sure you rat out your spouse or if you're just full of scorn over your ex, here's a way to extract vengeance. And ATF is there to just help you out. Now, keep in mind, folks, you're not given immunity from this. Nowhere does it say immunity. And... Uh, you know, you start calling and the government gets involved in your life. It's amazing how suddenly you're dragged into it, too. Because if you have the information, then the question is, how did you have the information? And maybe your ex-spouse isn't going to be real happy with you doing this. And uh, things can go both ways and who knows what. And all in the name of, I'm sorry, what is that? Oh, enforcing unconstitutional laws and going against gun rights, Second Amendment rights, uh, whatever. I mean, this is pretty nasty stuff. And when you see agencies asking individuals to turn in their current or former spouses or partners, it really just kind of rubs Americans the wrong way. Because we've seen in history these type of requests and demands made by various groups and agencies to turn in your your parents, turn in your loved ones, turn in those that you know. I mean, what countries have practiced this in the past, really pushing to get family and relatives and children to turn in their parents and their loved ones and their relatives? I seem to remember this was a, a mainstay of uh, certain countries and governments during World War II and other countries that promote communism and current countries that are extreme dictatorships. And everybody is distrustful of everybody, and it's the government pushing this same agenda as the ATF. Although... Isn't it nice how they couch it in Valentine's Day revenge? Isn't that professional and wonderful? 
I mean, look at what a great job. Maybe, maybe Valentine's Day should be like, turn in your loved one's day, period. Maybe it should be promoted. Why should it stop with the ATF? FBI, everybody. Of course, it wouldn't matter for immigration. They just ignore that. Don't worry about that. But all the groups, turn them in. Turn them in. Every local police department, state police, Valentine's Day should be national. Turn in your loved one's days, right? I mean, come on. Any illegal activity, report it. Yahoo! Great idea, isn't it? And that's what this government, through this agency, is doing. That's their push for Valentine's Day. I mean, this is outrageous. And it makes you kind of wonder just how far and extreme this administration is willing to go. And we got things coming around the corner here, folks, where they're going to promulgate some pretty bad regulations that's going to turn millions of people into criminals if they don't abide and conform to these regulations, not even laws passed by the legislature, not even through a Democrat process, but promulgated by agencies with a political agenda from the top. And they want to encourage you to rat them out, man. Rat them out. You know, there's a lot of risk in this. A lot of risk for everybody. Keep in mind, some people don't appreciate rats, right? They don't appreciate when that happens to them. Then there are other ramifications in the government, you know, you, you're going to trust them? The government that asks you to do this, you're going to trust that you're not going to be pulled into this thing and sucked into this too? You really got to be naive to believe that. And I've seen it. I've seen it in cases where spouses, they didn't need encouragement from the ATF. They thought it would be great to do this. The next thing you know, they're pulled into it. I can't tell you just, just how many cases where there's been an allegation of domestic violence, which I'm not in favor of domestic violence. No one should be abusing anybody. I get it. But when the government comes in on that claim, even though it was eh, maybe a little exaggerated or hyped up or wanted to get you know the other spouse's attention or just wanted to scare them, these were all the things I've heard in actual practice. And next thing you know, that person is arrested, guns are seized, all these allegations come down, you realize half the time the person who's calling my office to save them is the person who called the police in the first place. They can't believe what it's done to their family. Can't believe what's going on. And they are in shock when they thought, ah, the government, it's, they're a friend, they'll help, they're here to help. Yeah, right. They learned some hard lessons quick. But, of course, this is a lot bigger, and uh, and the response it's got has been nothing short of, 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 of hilarious, really. Uh, and I'm going to quote some responses here that are just hilarious. So the, 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 the former vice president, I mean, sorry, former Libertarian Party VP candidate, name is Spike Cohen, he put out, he tweeted in response to this, Hi, yes, I'd like to report someone who set an entire compound full of children and their parents on fire and shot anyone who escaped. Then they went and trafficked guns to Mexican cartels who used those guns to kill innocent Americans and Mexicans. They should be disbanded. Hmm, interesting. 
he wasn't the only one. Because this is just causing, and rightfully so, a lot of uh, a lot of folks scratching their head and just saying in disbelief that an agency would do this. Here, here is um, here's one from the Blaze contributor Jessica O'Donnell, and she tweeted. She tweeted, "Looks like the ATF is going full ATF today." <laughs> Full ATF. I guess that's right from Tropic Thunder with a little variation, but it fits. It surely fits. Uh, you know, then there's uh, another one here. This one's great. Uh, oh, and it points out, too. Here, this is a political activist, Beth Bowman. She says, Oh, look, the ATF is giving us a perfect example of what's wrong with red flag laws. Nothing says Happy Valentine's Day like having an ex swatted just because you can't stand them. And, you know, that's part of the problem with the red flag is the swatting. Where individuals that are completely innocent have caused no problem, nothing, and they get the agency to come down, and it's been dangerous to people. People have been shot and killed who there was absolutely no basis to uh, for what they were told. And the ramifications can be life and death. And that's something else that gets set out by these agencies and by these red flag laws. Uh, it is it has caused tremendous harm and death to individuals. The well-intentioned, however well-intentioned, and really it's, it's about just another mechanism to seize guns. But even if you want to give it the benefit of the doubt and say somehow it was well-intentioned, well, it's not panning out. It's not panning out at all. It's the opposite. It's harming people, invading their privacy, invading, taking their property, and just uh, uh, putting a lot of people at risk for both law enforcement and the individuals. And I see that in in the practice, see it happening. So this is uh, amazing, but we see this uh, agency engaging in this behavior, and it's it seems that it's a pattern. It's like a pattern. Why am I not surprised that this would be something ATF would do? Here, here's a good one. Uh, Joel M. Petlin, he, he says, if you, really, if you don't really like the Valentine's Day Hallmark card, candy, jewelry, or floral bouquet from your boyfriend, why not punish him with the gift of a no-knock search warrant of his home, courtesy of the U.S. government? And then he puts, call 1-800-ARREST-MY-BOYFRIEND. ATF agents are standing by. You know, the truth of it is they really deserve this. I mean, how can they be that foolish, stupid to even get disapproved to be said? I mean, it, it's just outrageous, and it doesn't build confidence in our agencies. It shows just how low they'll go, how politicized, and how uh, disgusting. Do you think having Americans turn on one another is really great policy? Look, you want to get the bad guys, get the bad guys. But to put this out there and to do this in this way is disgusting and really cannot be condoned but you know what in today's day it's fine no one's going to do anything about it it's going to be uh 
you know, good. They're just trying to stop illegal gun activity. And, of course, as long as they're trying to do that, everything's good. It doesn't matter. Everything's good. As long as we have that, that, that moral, that, uh, uh, you know, that stand we can take, sure, that's what operates on it. I'll tell you what, you know, there's, there's a number of interesting things. Uh, Biden didn't let Valentine's Day go without comment, and, and he, he, he gave a, uh, a Valentine to gun owners. And this is actually an article uh, by, by Dave Workman. Uh, put this out. He brought this out in his article, his attention here. I'm going to give him credit. He said, Joe Biden's Valentine to American gun owners. And uh, what did Biden do? Well, he called for universal background checks and a ban on assault weapons and high-capacity magazines and repeal of the Lawful Commerce in Arms Act. Now, you see, this is Biden doing this in response to the atrocities that have been committed with firearms, even though there's so few. But it doesn't matter. They don't want any tragedy to go without uh, maximizing political benefit from it. So based on the incident at the Stoneman, at the Stoneman uh, facility there, this is uh, what Biden has to say. So look what he's asking for. Universal background checks. Well, that's UBC. And that translates to nothing less than universal gun registration, which we've talked about on the show that they're working toward. And they're putting the registration machine in place now as we're speaking. So they have fully computerized ability to do online registration for NFA. And then that's going to grow to the pistol brace ruling coming down and then do, you know, 10 million pistol brace, get a system all, all customized and rocking and rolling. And then ready for national registration by computer. So this system will be in place. And that all ties into UBC. That's what Universal Background Check's about, end private sales so everything can be tracked. Then the so-called, you know, assault weapon and high capacity. Well, you know, high capacity to you is standard capacity to me. That's just some arbitrary number to make people into felons, which we've seen happen in any number of states, including New Jersey. And, of course, assault weapon is simply modern sporting arms that they put this pejorative term on, and they use it to create sweeping bans that violate our right to keep and bear arms. And then, of course, get rid of that Protection of Lawful Commerce Act. That's what protects manufacturers and dealers from being litigated out of existence for acts by third parties. You know, Someone commits a crime with a gun, you sue the gun maker. That had nothing to do with that crime. I mean, you may as well sue, you know, Ford or Chevy because the bank robbers used it as a getaway car. It's not anything uh, at fault by the manufacturer or dealer, but using the uh, tort system, the trial lawyers, the civil system, abuse through the civil system to break and destroy the industry and therefore go at our Second Amendment rights through the tort system. That's what that's about. Yeah, these are all uh, Valentine's Day efforts. How sweet, how nice by ATF and Biden. Let me say there's one thing I want to mention, and that is actually a good thing. 
in which I can truly say happy Valentine's Day, and that is happy Valentine's Day to the 1911 handgun. That's right. John Browning's famous 1911 was patented February 17th of 1910. And I bet a lot of you out there have some variation of a 1911. And that's a gun I can send a Valentine to and say happy Valentine's Day and happy birthday to that patent of February 17th, 1910. And it shows you what timeless design it is to still see modern manufacturers making owning and shooting the famous 1911 and all its variations. For over 30 years, attorney Evan Knappen has seen what rotten laws do to good people. That's why he's dedicated his life to fighting for the rights of America's gun owners. A fearsome courtroom litigator fighting for rights, justice, and freedom. An unrelenting gun rights spokesman, tearing away at anti-gun propaganda to expose the truth. Author of six best-selling books on gun rights, including Knappen on Gun Law, a bright orange gun law Bible that sits atop the desk of virtually every lawyer, police chief, firearms dealer, and savvy gun owner. That's what made Evan Knappen America's gun lawyer. Gun laws are designed to make you a criminal. Don't become the innocent victim of a vicious anti-gun legal system. This is the guy you want on your side. Keep his name and number in your wallet and hope you never have to use it. But if you live, work, or travel with a firearm, the deck is already stacked against you. You can find him on the web at evannappen.com or follow the link on the Gun Lawyer resource page. Evan Knappen, America's Gun Lawyer. You're listening to Gun Lawyer with attorney Evan Knappen. Available wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I am a lawyer. I am a lawyer. I want to thank all my listeners for being listeners and uh, making sure that you subscribe, have your friends subscribe. This is our voice. This is a way to get the word out about these things that the lamestream media doesn't want us to know, and I want you to know because we got to know it so we can protect ourselves and be aware of these uh, attacks on our rights and on our precious Second Amendment. It is uh, a never-ending fight. So this is something I recently saw in uh, actually uh, an NRA um, an NRA article, and it talked about. How important is bullet construction? And in the article, it says, during a recent trial, the prosecution questioned the defendant about the ammunition loaded in his AR-15. This produced a comment from the defendant where he stated, a bullet is a bullet. And uh, as the NRA article and others points out, that is not really the case. I mean, understand what the gentleman means by saying a bullet is a bullet. But there is a difference in bullets as far as juries are concerned 
as far as prosecutors may try to make hay out of it and as far as the actual performance of the bullet. And this is something you want to think about when you think about the ammunition that you're using for self-defense. Because if you're using certain ammunition for self-defense and it has, uh, for example, certain names that indicate more of a, you know, killing round, more of a death-producing round, or if it is ammunition that has an infamous association. You know, back when, you know, Black Talon was the scary ammunition. Uh, so they quit making Black Talon. But then actually you can buy ammunition today that performs and is virtually indistinguishable from Black Talon with one exception, it's not called Black Talon anymore. Okay, and why is that? Because these names can can matter. And especially if there's 12 people sitting in judgment that don't have a lot of knowledge about guns and you're going to have to be dependent on them understanding that your actions were justified and that you weren't looking to kill somebody, you weren't out there trying to cause this problem, and in fact you were simply defending yourself and defending your loved ones, and everything that went into that action, that's going to be scrutinized, and they're going to look and see what ammunition you were using. Now some folks will say, well, that's why I don't want to use hollow nose or hollow point because it'll the, the state can try to claim that it you know is a, is made to kill and made to do uh super damage and all that but in reality with hollow nose we can get you know expert to make it clear that the purpose is a more likelihood to stop the danger it's not about killing it's about stopping. And if it's more likely to stop the threat, then that is why we would want to choose something that gives more of an energy transfer to the target to stop the threat. And that's where expert testimony can be very important to demonstrate the purpose behind the choice of the Round. Additionally, there's other advantages to hollow point or hollow nose, particularly a fear of over-penetration. Shooting some fully jacketed high-penetration round in your home so it can go through walls and hit innocent bystanders or even out on the street on your carry gun is not a good idea. You want to stop the threat, and you don't want innocents to be endangered, and so therefore... This type of ammunition can be very good. But uh, there's a lot of specialty ammo out there. There's a lot of strange things that are very interesting, you know, that seem to have different effects on targets. But if it's something too bizarre or too out of the ordinary, then the state will try to make hay out of it. Uh, I've seen them try to do that with not only the type of ammunition, but the name of the ammunition, the name on the gun, even things that you may have put on your gun or names or engravings of things that you chose for your gun. If you get these, for example, these Glock 
the Glock plates that slide in the back that have different things on them. And, you know, you put on a, a death skull on the back that's going to be in front of the jury with that. And this is the kind of thing. It, it, it really was best illustrated by my, uh, my torts professor in law school. He had a, a trained German shepherd that he actually a client paid him with. It was, I don't know, a $10,000 trained German shepherd, hand signal and German command, and the dog was incredible. But what did my torts professor name this dog? He named the dog Bambi. That's right, Bambi. Because if he was ever sued, he wanted the papers, you know, to read about the guy being bit by Bambi and the whole bit. Names make a difference. So, you know, instead of calling it uh, uh, some really mean, macho, vicious name, Bambi worked. I mean, it's not a bad idea, you know, if you're, if you're dead set to have some defense gun, uh, you know, that you're going to use that, you know, maybe you want to call it the Hello Kitty, you know, something like that. Because if you've got to put some name on it, because if it's the Death Slayer 2000, it's not going to play well to the jury. And regardless whether you have these guns or not, the one that's going to become a primary self-defense gun, you've got to be very careful about the type of firearm, what its name, and what it is. I mean, if you're going to defend your home with a 44 Magnum, which is a great gun, a great revolver. I love the 44 Magnum. But if you defend it, get ready. The prosecutor is going to make out like you're, you think you're Dirty Harry. Okay? It's going to happen. They're going to try to sell it and get it to the jury that you were trigger-happy, dirty Harry, Neanderthal, blah, 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 you know, and had this dream or vision that you were some Clint Eastwood-type guy, and this is what you were up to. And it's a shame, but it's true. They'll stoop to these levels without any doubt. And I've experienced and seen uh, them attempt it on various things. And we'll try to stop it as being prejudicial. We'll try to stop it in, you know, to not be used in this way. But this is how it goes, and the facts of fact. Now, I've had other cases where it's the opposite, where uh, we had one gun that was involving um, a ladysmith, and I emphasized that it was called, and I called it. I didn't call it the pistol. I didn't call it the, you know, the the gun. I called it. The Ladysmith, because it was, it was, it's a gun for marketed to women. And this was a woman that was using the firearm, and that played well. So that's a good thing. So you got to think this through. It can be, it can cut both ways. And think about the gun that's your primary defense gun and, you know, home or carry, and look at these other factors and just think if an, un, an, an uneducated gun jury has to look at this, what do you want them to see? What do you want them to hear and know? This is also true even in states like, for example, in New Jersey, you can have an unregistered handgun. Registration only occurs in New Jersey on the acquisition of a handgun in New Jersey. But you can still possess handguns that weren't acquired in New Jersey 
and they don't have to be registered. It can be guns you acquired in another jurisdiction and brought into New Jersey. It can be guns that you inherited. It can be guns that you acquired before the law even took effect. Those are all unregistered guns, and that's perfectly legal and not a problem. But what I recommend to folks is if they're going to have a primary self-defense gun, that it be a gun that is registered and papered on a purchase permit to New Jersey, even though it has no legal significance whatsoever. In other words, you can have it with that or without it. It's legal in your home because exemptions allow you to possess in your home. But the fact that you had, quote, a registered gun, that's what can come in in the case. And again, it shows that you're a person who had a registered handgun and it was registered to you and that you had a permit for the handgun. And does any of that legally mean anything? No. But you know that a jury hearing that puts it in a certain, puts you in a certain category in their mind, knowing you're registered and had the permit, etc. So these are things you need to think about when it comes down to what you're using to defend yourself and how you're using it. Names are important. This type of paperwork, even though I'm not a fan of registration, but given certain states where, like New Jersey, where it's out there, but it's this hybrid where you can have it or not have it, you want to seriously think about your primary self-defense gun as having it for these reasons. Be careful what the ammunition that you're using. You only want to use ammunition that's legal, of course, and you want to be aware of its name and its performance and what it's designed to do and how to do it. Because this all can become factors and things you might never normally think about. You're just thinking, hey, I was in a life or death situation and I defended myself. Yeah, but once it starts being picked apart bit by bit, every little thing, and all that is examined and looked at, you want to make sure that that pile of things ends up on your side, right? Not on the side of those trying to turn you into a criminal over your lawful use of force. And so these are things that we have to think about as law-abiding gun owners, and we want to make sure that we have everything for us in our favor that we can and not allow anything that can be twisted and abused and used against us simply because we're legally, legally exercising our rights. This is Evan Knappen saying L2AL and reminding you that gun laws don't protect honest citizens from criminals. They protect criminals from honest citizens. Gun Lawyer is a Counterthink Media production. The music used in this broadcast was managed by Cosmo Music, New York, New York. Reach us by emailing evan at gun.lawyer. The information and opinions in this broadcast do not constitute legal advice. Consult a licensed attorney in your state.